Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Bags are packed. Are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way It's time to name the neglect from typical food advice. Welcome to the Find Your Food Voice podcast, hosted by me, Julie Duffy Dillon. I'm a registered dietitian with 20 years of experience partnering with folks just like you on their food peace journey. What have we learned? Well, cookie cutter approaches exclude too many people and you don't need to be fixed. It's not you. It's not me. It's all of us. Only together, we can start a movement and fix diet culture. And we will. Let's begin with now. Hi, and welcome to episode 312 of Find Your Food Voice. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, registered dietitian and partner on your food peace journey. I am recording today for the first time while also doing a TikTok live. So hey, to anyone who's on my TikTok live right now, (laughs) if you don't know um, why I'm on TikTok, especially as a 47-year-old, well, that's a great question. I used to be pretty active on Instagram and Facebook, but they got hacked and I don't have those anymore. So I'm over on TikTok having a great time and I would love for you to give me a follow. My handle there is foodvoicerd and I'm talking about all things finding your food voice there, adding in PCOS of, of course, and I look forward to connecting with you there. I find it to be really fun. I'm seeing lots of... Um, dog videos and lots of Southern liberals talk about values that I also have in common. So it's a good time, but that's not why I'm here today. Today, I am here to do a solo meditation episode. Meditation episodes are where I hope to give you some insight into a complicated way of relating to food. And I hope it's one that you can go back to over and over again. I hope it serves you in many different seasons. And this episode is for anyone who's ever called themselves a food addict or maybe has been wondering if that's what they are. This episode is for you. And I certainly have worked with many folks who have used that phrase to describe their relationship with food. And I am opinionated about it, whether or not food is addicting, but that's not really what this episode is about. It's about if you 
use that phrase to describe your relationship with food. What do you do next if you want to experience a relationship with food that feels less complicated, more calm? Like you deserve peace with food too. And abstaining, if that's not working for you, well, this may be the next best step. So I hope you find it helpful. Before we get to the meditation, a quick word from our sponsor. I love free things and I have a feeling you do too. Who doesn't love free stuff? Have you been to my website, julieduffydillon.com in a while? Because we have some new freebies that we have put in the website that I think you may like. And these are freebies for folks with a complicated relationship with food. Um, If you have a complicated relationship with food and also have PCOS, there's even more. So check them out. Go to julieduffydillon.com slash voice and you'll find a bunch of those tools. And if you have a complicated relationship with food and you have PCOS, we're going to be adding more um, free things and new products in there. So if you go to julieduffydillon.com slash PCOS, right now there's a number of freebies that are just for you. And you also can see the PCOS Power course in there, but soon you will be seeing other products, including working one-on-one with me. So how do you get there? Go to julieduffydillon.com, go to either slash voice or slash PCOS, and you can get right to it. There's a way then by downloading any of those free products that you and I can stay connected and join my email list. That's actually the best way to keep in the loop of anything that I'm offering. So again, it's julieduffydillon.com, and I look forward to connecting with you there. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Dear food addict, I am so glad you are connecting today with this message. I have been wanting to talk about this for a while now. Why not take a break? Have a seat, put your feet up, have a cup of something that feels relaxing. And let's talk about this. Let's unpack the concept of food addiction and see how it relates to your experience with food. I'm sure it feels complicated and probably chaotic. I appreciate that we have been hearing about food addiction in a way that is alarming. And literally, people in food addiction research talk about alarms in the brain. And when MRIs are done, parts of the brain light up, like the hippocampus, the caudate, and the insula. Those are the parts of the brain that help us feel good releases dopamine. That is that real feel good effect that things like drugs and food, it helps us to feel that connection. And people who talk about food addiction say that parts of our brain light up just like it does with cocaine. I think it's important to really unpack this. 
something I appreciate with nutrition now that I've been a dietitian for 24 years is that food and nutrition science is just not as sexy. It's just not as powerful as some people are leading us to believe. And my big question for you is, what if food is supposed to feel good? What if that feeling, that pleasure is a sign of being a successful human, not that you're doing it wrong? And I appreciate, especially right now, you know, hearing about the alarms in the brain, the part of the brain that lights up like it does with cocaine, how that will feel like there's no way in hell that we should be doing this to our brain. But, you know, what if, what if that feeling is actually a sign of being a successful human, not that we're doing it wrong? So kind of pin that for a second and let's think about as a human, what our basic needs are. I learned early on in my biology 101, sitting in, I think it was Morton Hall at at Ohio University with like 300 other people, (laughs) that five, there are five basic human needs. In order for you to be a human, just like I am right now, there are five things that we need in common. You can probably guess what one of them is off the bat. Like we need to breathe. We need air. We specifically need oxygen to breathe. And another one is water. Like you can't get dehydrated. You can't be without water for very long before our body will stop stop working. We also need shelter or something to keep us warm because if we get too cold, that can hurt us. We also need sleep. If you've listened to Find Your Food Voice since the day that it was called Love Food, you probably know how obsessed I am with sleep. It's because I had my firstborn who didn't sleep until she was four and a half years old. And so she didn't sleep through the night, I should say. And I'm someone that needs at least eight hours, if not nine, consecutively at night and sometimes still a nap. I like need my sleep. I need my rest. I don't think that means I'm addicted to sleep though. It just means we all need sleep and we all need different amounts. So that's four, air, shelter, water, sleep. Guess what the fifth one is? I have a feeling you already know. (laughs) It's food. We require food. Unlike cocaine, we require food in order to be a human being. So that's one of the reasons why I say feeling good after eating and being addicted to food, well, that's not doing it wrong. That's you being a successful human. I also appreciate that that's not including everything here, right? It's not including that chaotic feeling you probably experience when you eat certain foods that maybe you would call it feeling out of control. It also doesn't include that some foods feel more, have more of to them than others. You may have heard phrases like highly palatable food, you know, foods that are higher in salt and sugar and fat, how they can have that extra kind of connection. And I know some people who work in food addiction like to say that that's, that's what we're really talking about. It's not like 
fruit and vegetables and beans. Um, it's foods that are in a bag or foods that can be on a shelf for years and years and still taste great. Those are the foods that we need to worry about. Okay. And I hope you're still with me on this food addict because I'm going to take this in a direction that may surprise you. What about the fact that those highly palatable foods, those are the very foods that many people without consistent food access must rely on. Like for some people, that's the only food that they can get to make sure that they actually have food on the table. These are usually foods that are shelf-stable for a long time, inexpensive, available at gas stations in the United States. My Black dietitian colleagues have pointed out this connection to me, and I hope you can see something awry. Like how did a system convince us that depending on certain foods that are the most accessible means we are addicted? And how did a system convince us that feeling out of control with certain foods that are lower in cost means we're doing it wrong? And how did a system convince us that pleasure from convenient foods mean, means we're doomed? This is, the, this is the kicker here, though. What about the fact that most of those shelf-stable foods profit off of our belief in food addiction because they also own the major diet companies? That's so true. If you could map out all the foods that are often named in food addiction circles, they are made or owned by major companies that also profit off of our belief that we're addicted to them. So there's this like really incredible um, kind of pendulum loop that just keeps happening of feeling addicted and then jumping over to the diet companies to cure that addiction. And what I know from food habituation and food deprivation is the more we are around a food, the more it feels pretty calm. The more we abstain from a food, the more attractive it becomes. So what if the addiction is not to the food, even those highly palatable ones that a lot of people like to call them? What if the addiction is not to the food yet to the actual diet culture? So listener, you know, sitting with that discomfort for as long as you can tolerate will prepare you for making peace with this food or maybe whole groups of food. Certainly there's folks that I've worked with who have named that there are food addicts and they will name that they're addicted to whole macronutrients like carbohydrates. And if we think about something like carbohydrates and how every culture around the globe relies on carbohydrates as a staple. And for many folks in certain forms, these carbohydrates are also shelf-stable for a really long time, so they're accessible. Honoring these foods and their accessibilities and the fact that they're staples in many homes, for me, brings respect for that food. Like we actually have access to foods that can be safe for a very long time and for a very low cost. That's amazing. 
that helps more people stay alive. Again, sitting with that discomfort of the dichotomy or of the, maybe not dichotomy, the ambivalence of, I feel addicted and I've been told these foods are bad and I can't be around them. And at the same time, honoring that these foods are required for many folks, especially folks who are marginalized in our current climate and how that is vital to their life. Holding both of those at that same time, that's the ambivalence, I think, that you may be sitting with right now. It's super exhausting and uncomfortable, but the longer you can sit with it, the more you can move towards peace. And there's something really um, different about the food addiction experience. And, you know, as you listen to what I just said in the beginning part of this meditation, you can probably read between the lines that I don't agree that food is addicting. And I also hear your words to describe them as an addiction. So I feel comfortable using it for that reason, but I also believe that there's systems working against you that have led you to have that way of describing your relationship with food. And over the last 23, 24 years, sitting across from folks who describe their relationship with food as addicting and helping them to reconnect in a way that I'm going to describe in a second, I appreciate that by the end of the the time that we work together, those same folks no longer use the word food addiction to describe their relationship with food. And so I have that same hope for you. I believe that you can also be around all food because remember food is a basic need, unlike cocaine or something else that maybe folks like to use in this kind of um, argument. We need food to survive. Something I didn't mention that I meant to at the top of this, but it's okay to mention now, is there's other things that light up the hippocampus and all those other parts of the brain that release dopamine just like cocaine. Do you know what they are? Laughing. Laughing does that. Listening to music also does that. I would imagine listening to my 14-year-old sing. There's this one song. She's a really great singer, FYI. (laughs) But there's this one song that she's been working on and she just belts out this part and it makes me cry every time. And I have a feeling there's a dopamine rush right in that moment. It doesn't mean it's addicting. It just means, dang, that's great. That feels really good to listen to. I think it's really important to not call pleasure addicting. And yes, I do think folks can be addicted to drugs like cocaine, but I don't think we're cornering the market um, on pleasure being the part of how we know it's happening, that addiction is happening. Because holding a newborn will cause the same kind of light up kind of brain experience. Again, like laughing, listening to music, being around your friends, feeling support, those all help our body release dopamine. So just wanted to throw that in there too. Okay, so let's go to kind of the last part that I have for you. What if you actually want to make peace and you don't want to feel that chaos? 
if you want to be calmer around food. Because let's face it, you have to eat food to be a human being. And you need to be able to be around cake because you'll probably go to a wedding or a birthday party at some point. You'll probably need to get popcorn at some point because you're going to be going to the movies with some friends. You need to be able to be around certain foods and maybe even all foods in order to continue having connections with other people. So if you want to make peace, use the law of food habituation. I mentioned it earlier. There's a gradual way to do this and a slow way. And honestly, it's up to you which way works best for you. Most folks that I have talked to have done the gradual way and they did it with me. You know, I'm a dietitian that helps people recover from either their eating disorders or sometimes people described it as a food addiction. And we just chose this slower kind of way of helping your relationship with food. I just realized that I said the words gradual versus slow. And that's not what I meant to say. (laughs) You can help your relationship with food to feel more peaceful by doing a kind of flooding event or a gradual slow event or events rather. So a quick way to do it, which again, I haven't worked with anybody who is like, yeah, this is the way I'm going to do it. I've only read about people doing this, but making a list of all the foods that you would describe as being in the category of being addicted to. Write them all down. All the different brand names, all the different flavors, all the different types. Write every single one down. There may be 50 or 100 or more, but write them all down. The flooding way to do this is just start buying them. Start exposing your brain to it. If that makes you feel really uncomfortable, I can totally appreciate why, because that would be a lot of chaos. That's why I haven't worked with anybody who chose this way, but people have. And just like allow yourself to eat as much and just expose your brain to it. The gradual slow way that most people that I've worked with or everyone I've worked with, every in-person person I've talked about this, is using the same law of food habituation, but instead of having it all around you, making that same list. And then with every food, every different version of that food, so if like Cheetos are on your list and maybe you have Cheeto puffs, regular Cheetos, Flaming Hot Cheetos, you know, having all three as separate foods. I can't believe I use Cheetos as a as an example, but that is my food for the beach in case you're wondering. (laughs) Um, And, you know, making a list of every single food and on a scale of one to 10 with one being really, really boring and 10 being freakishly uncomfortable to the point where you just could not stop eating it. Put a number next to that food again, between the scale of one to 10. It's kind of cool to put this in a sort of spreadsheet if you can, because then you can, after you've listed all of them, you can rank them from the ones that are the easiest to the scariest. The foods that you put a one to through three on probably are not feeling that addicting to you. 
Um, they may have made it on the list for some reason, but I have a feeling most of the foods in there are five or above. And that's just how I interpret that scale of one to 10. So you may have interpreted it different and that's okay. But just how I would do it is a one, again, it's a really boring food. For a lot of people that may be like broccoli, plain broccoli. I actually don't even like plain broccoli. It needs to be roasted. Um, but anyway, so having any kind of food on there and starting with the ones that probably are around a five in the middle, cause some discomfort, but are not to the point where you feel just so much anxiety. And the, the 10 foods, those are the ones that are going to be the most challenging. When I would work with someone one-on-one, what we would do is start with the foods that are at a five or a six and pick one. Pick one food to start including at home and have it when you want, whenever you want. At first, it'll feel so scary. And at first, it'll feel like you can't stop eating it. Buy more and keep doing it. And then as you are, maybe these are like Cheeto puffs, okay? Um, Let's say you had Cheeto puffs as a six, but you had regular Cheetos, you know, the goat Cheetos, like the regular Cheetos as a seven. After you have the puffs for a while, you may notice that they're not the same number anymore. They're getting to be more like a three. What's really cool about this process is you may notice as you do that, as you have that exposure to that first food, that you look at the other ones and they're starting to go down too. So those Cheetos, those original Cheetos are more like a five. So that's the way you know to move on to the next one. And eventually you'll go through all the foods. And this does take a long time, but it's worth it. Like your relationship with food, you deserve to feel at home in your body with foods that are pleasurable like truly pleasurable. And you deserve to be around foods that you are not um, allergic to, (laughs) you know? You deserve to feel at home and at peace with all of them. As you go through all these different foods, and again, this could take a year or more to go through all of them. That's when you'll notice developing your own food voice. You know, the, the name of this show is Find Your Food Voice. And Sometimes people ask me what that actually means. And that's only something that you can define, but it does have three parts to it for me. One is defying diet culture. That's why I really wanted to explore in this meditation the connections with food addiction, with food accessibility, and the connection to the companies that also own diet companies. Defying diet culture means doing that food habituation experiment. And as you do that, it's the next part is declaring body liberation. So finding yourself eating those Cheetos and eventually being like, meh, these are yummy, but they're not causing my brain to light up anymore. Um, They're causing pleasure, but it's not feeling like it did before. It'll still feel fun but not to the point where you're just feeling so chaotic. And as you have more exploration in that area, that's when you know you're finding your peace, your peace with food. I can only define my food voice in that peace because of my lived experience. And you can define it with you and your lived experience. 
So I hope this was helpful. I see that Food has written back, which I'm so excited to read a short letter from Food to you. I hope this was helpful. Let me know how this all sits with you. And until next time, take care. Dear Food Addict, we see you at war with the air you breathe. How did die culture convince you we were out to get you? Your connection to us is designed to be pleasurable and life-giving. Your food connection, albeit complicated, is how you are succeeding as a human to make it less complicated because you deserve a calm relationship with food. Incorporate the foods at your pace. Let them become a habit, a habit with unconditional permission. Feel your reaction softening and find your food voice. Love food. Thank you for listening. I am Julie Duffy Dillon, and this is the Find Your Food Voice podcast. Ready to join the anti-diet movement and take the Food Voice Pledge? Go to julieduffydillon.com and sign your name to the growing list of people saying no to diets and yes to their own food voice. The Find Your Food Voice podcast is produced by me, Julie Duffy Dillon, and my team of kick-ass folks. I couldn't make the show without Yelly Cruz, assistant producer and resident book feed, and Colleen Bremner, customer service coordinator and professional hype master. Audio editing is from Toby Lyles at 24 Sound. Music is Fly Free by Hartley. Are you looking for episode transcripts? Get them at julieduffydillon.com, where you can also submit letters for the podcast, give us feedback, and sign the Food Voice Pledge. We need your voice to end diet culture. We literally can't do this without you. Subscribe to the Find Your Food Voice podcast to get weekly inspiration and education on how we can defeat diet culture and reclaim our own food voice. I look forward to seeing you here next week for another episode of the Find Your Food Voice podcast. Take care. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.